This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everybody, it's the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Pat and Eddie on the mics. Ed, what the hell, man? You are not supposed to be Back. here tonight. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I wasn't, but uh, I'm here. I made it. Uh, and, I don't know how uh, to handle this. I know. I've only been on one this year. So the, the very was it with the very first one of the season? Yeah, I think so. And it was like that was a weird night for you too because you fell asleep, and then I had to wake you up because you nobody were, knew you that were crazy That's hours. Under the bus. I was at the under the bus, man. But uh, uh, good, I fell asleep good. for the third period in game one, and. Uh, <laughs> I still still pulled up the show, so dedication. That's right. Good to have you back, Jason. Um, couldn't make the show tonight, but um, you know he's pulling all this, you know, all the weight around here along with me. Eddie's been kind of, you know, you know, I don't know, slumming it up on the show, not really showing up and doing anything. But uh, it's good to have <laughs> you back, man. We we made sure we ripped you in chatting on the show and good, and, you I'm know, sure. in good old fashion. I was there for uh, what was it? <sighs> game it was three, the Detroit I was game, right? Game three, I was in the chat. Yeah. No, I fell asleep. I fell asleep halfway through that show too. I was out of town, and then I missed the last game. So it's it's nice to be back. Ah, Ducks win too. Our I chat can't was complain. looking. No, you can't complain. You're back for a win. So I mean, why? You know, you haven't you I'm haven't been out for a loss yet. I'm two and zero. Yeah, you guys are two and one. Uh, yeah, Ducks take down sad. the Columbus Blue Jackets two to one. Um, shoot, man, that uh, that game was up and down for me. I don't know how you felt about it before we hop into it, but. Kind of like, what was your expectation going into this game? Were you kind of worried about it being on the second half of back-to-backs, or were you pretty confident the Ducks would come out and take the victory? I mean, I guess you always kind of are. Uh, but but Columbus this year, man, like like the last couple of years, they've been that underdog team. And then this year, like Panarin gone, Duchesne gone, Bobrovsky gone. Like they they look bad on paper. They haven't done too bad, honestly, on the ice. They, they, like t- today, they looked like a pretty decent team. Like Cam Atkinson's still a great player. Pierre Luc Dubois is still a good player. Like they have guys like Gustav Nyquist, Seth Jones. So they're not a horrible team. But if you ha- if you wanted it this way, like let's put it this way, if it was the other way around, you played Columbus game one, Pittsburgh game two, I would have been a little bit more worried, right? Like having to face mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby on the second and back to back. Yeah, the Ducks lost the first game against Pittsburgh. But uh, I wasn't as worried to say, like, let's say even if Boston was the back-to-back instead of being on Monday, I think you're a little bit more worried about having to go up uh, against uh, Pasternak, Marshan, oh, and Bergeron. Oh, man, that Boston on, uh, team is one of the best teams yeah. in the NHL. You don't ever want to face them on the second half of back-to-back, let alone on a random Monday uh, at 10 a.m. I mean, that's a uh, that's a tough one no matter what <laughs> anytime you go to Boston. Yeah, and, and honestly, Ryan Miller had a great game, too. Like, yeah, it was nice. He's, he's going to – like, both – we know John Gibson's going to need to be good this year, uh, but Ryan Miller is going to need to be very good as well to kind of give that nice backstop option to John Gibson because John Gibson got worn out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know it. That, uh, Eric Stevens put an article in The Athletic, talked about how he was so tired, so fatigued that he lost weight. So having Ryan Miller there and, and being a strong presence, and obviously John Gibson just not getting worked that much this year is going to help. But uh, but Ryan Miller is going to be an important part of this team if the Ducks are going to try and make the playoffs. So Brett in chat says uh, you're the reason why the Ducks, you know, aren't going to be able to go 82 and 0. And then uh, Dave says that you're the random call up uh, for tonight because you heard he was going to take over the podcast, so you you couldn't <laughs> let that happen. So was he? I didn't. I thought you were going solo. I was going to run the show uh, solo, man, and, and rely on uh, our faithful following to give me enough, you know, 
stuff to talk about in the chat rather than just me hearing, hearing myself ramble for 50 minutes. Oh no! It was it would it would have been good. It would have been good. I'm sure it would have been fine. You you got you got enough guys here in the chat. Oh, yeah. They would have come for you. Plenty of support as always. Um, let's get into the lineups, uh, real or the lineup rather, really quick before we hop into the game. Because the first period, I don't know if you saw much of it. Pretty boring. It reminded me a lot of uh, the first period, um, basically from the past couple of games. But yeah, uh, from the since the start of the season, <laughs> it's it's just been a, a rough go in the first period for the Ducks. Sloppy hockey, but. Comtois draws in tonight. Shout out to Dave for calling that. He thought that Jones was going to take a seat. Comtois is going to come in. Um, Delorier's in tonight also. And then uh, you take a look at the, the defensive pairs, and I was like, why is Delzato with Fowler? Oh, it's because Brendan Gooley's hurt again. So hey, At least they didn't put Delzato and Holzer together because they could have done that. And that would have been uh, reminiscent of Boschman, Boschman yeah, and Bieksa when they got put not together. Not good. Not good. Um, but kind of interesting lineup, no? Comtois gets off Kasha. Raquel Henry yeah, I mean, Silverberg, not bad. You, you gotta you gotta throw him in there to give him the best opportunity to succeed. He didn't have a great night, but he didn't look bad. You know, I thought other than you know not getting that many quality scoring chances, he played physical and that's part of his game too. And uh first game of the season for him, right? First game of the this well, I guess first game in the NHL this year. And uh you know, I, I think there's a lot of expectations on him, especially how he started the year last year. So solid debut, you know. I guess you give him a B. Didn't do anything uh, fantastic, but didn't look out of place either. I'd like to see him still stay up there with Getzlaff and Kasha. I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how that line does. You know, come to a, 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 we always talk about Nick Ritchie and Max Jones being that guy who can go to the net, be that net front presence on a line where it has a lot of skill, a guy who can shoot like Kasha and distribute. I guess Kasha's been the distributor this year with three assists, and obviously Ryan Getzlaff being one of the uh, the best passers in the league. So come to a could really benefit from being on a line like that, being a guy who goes hard to the net and also has a, a, a probably more of a lethal shot than you would see in Nick Ritchie and Max Jones. Yeah, no, I was very curious as to uh, as to what uh, Kumquat, uh, come, come, come Jesus, I can't even talk <laughs> tongue-tied again, man. Kumquat on the top line with Getzloff is able to dish, and then Kasha is also a finisher there. And, you know, although you mentioned Kasha, yeah, he leads an assist, but I feel like that guy could score literally every time he touches the puck. I mean, that guy's yeah. all over the ice. It uh, just creates plays, and you know he's had articles written about how he's the, one of the biggest play drivers. Never lazy. It never, never no, lazy. never lazy. Look at the, uh, the his his assist to Cam Fowler. I mean, we're going to get to that later, but you look at everybody else just kind of took their foot off the gas. Andre Cash just picks up the puck and guns it up the middle of the ice. Like he's the only guy there that's actually thinking. Cam Fowler, and I, I think was it uh, was it Getzlaff who was up with them? I'm not yeah, sure. Whoever yeah. else was on that three on three on one. They were kind of just like, oh, okay, I guess we got to kick it into gear here because, uh, you know, Andre's just gunning it up the ice. So I, I will break that down more when we get to it. But, yeah, you're right. Andre Kasha is, I guess, the perfect guy to put with Ryan Getzloff or to put on your top six or, I guess, put out in any situation. He always just has energy and he's ready to go. All right, man. Well, let's get into the first period. Then It'll be a quick summary here. There just wasn't a lot going on for the Ducks. And they've had this problem not just in the first period but throughout games. It's most notable in the first period where – you know, defensive zone turnovers. Um, they can't get anything through the neutral zone on breakouts. I'm not sure really what the problem is there because they play the same pace that they do in the second and third they try to do in the first. But uh, is there anything you see really looking at uh, how they started games, not being able to connect on passes and just, you know, looking sloppy in their own end? Yeah, I feel like it's still some learning curves here for this team just trying to, to – kind of understand what Dallas Aikens wants maybe not just to start a game but just kind of developing under a new system right this has been Randy Carlisle's team for the last few years and, and you, you see that a lot in the first period and starting games uh, but you, you see it kind of throughout the the rest of the game and in all five games so far this year the Ducks are, are kind of making some interesting decisions from the back they're moving a lot faster and they're getting the puck out a lot cleaner mm-hmm. but there are still those mistakes and you know some guys not being in the right spot or passes not you know kind of being behind guys or not at not crisp onto the tape and I, I think that's gonna come with some experience and you know you look at maybe 15 game 15 game 20 later on in a couple months hopefully that has kind of been rectified a bit I feel like it's a bit too early to look into it uh, I, I get yeah. it right I understand and it, it is worrying um but I, I think we got to give Dallas Aikens and, and his team a little bit more time 100%. to kind of yeah to, to just get more developed into his system yeah, no, I, I I totally see what you're saying about that. No, I'm not trying to hit a panic button. I'm just was wondering if you would, if you had seen anything that kind of strikes you on that. The other the other half of it too is these teams have been very aggressive in forechecking and 
and they're all over the second a duck player gets a puck. They're just on them, yep. and it forces you to make the split-second decisions. So, yeah, maybe we'll see how the system kind of works itself out over the next several uh, weeks and, and you see how if the Ducks are able to turn around their play. But they got hemmed in a little bit in the first period. Um, not to say they didn't get the, a couple of their chances, but uh, Raquel danced in and ripped one wide. Uh, Andre Kosh was probably the best chance for the Ducks during the first period, but uh, wasn't able to convert. Um, and then speaking about turnovers, Getzloff with a couple of sloppy plays on the same shift, turned the puck over twice, and then kind of fed a pass that wasn't able to get connected at a breakout and turned this, uh, was able to, the Jackets were able to turn it around and come back in the zone. So, like I was saying, just a lot of what I just summarized about the defensive, defensive zone turnovers. Ducks just couldn't get it going. And then our favorite theme about Nick Ritchie, um, the, <laughs> I think it's over-hatred for him for dumb penalties. He gets bashed on a lot yep. about it. It's it's pretty over hate. Uh, you know, there's a lot of over hate there, but uh, that penalty was pretty much like, Ugh, why? Why did you? I wonder what the uh, <laughs> what the kill rate is for the Ducks on those penalties. I'd love to go see like what you know what the the penalty kill rate is when Nick Ritchie takes a penalty to see if it's really turned into a, you know a negative aspect for the Ducks. Like if it came out and the Ducks like killed off like ninety two percent of the penalties that Nick Ritchie takes, I'm not, I'm just gonna assume all of them, not just the dumb ones. Probably isn't that bad. Like, I, you're going to always have a guy. Like, every team has this guy, right? Like, this, the guy, maybe not the guy who puts up all these penalty minutes, but the guy who takes dumb penalties. If that was all Nick Ritchie did, then sure. And I know there's a lot of hate on Nick Ritchie because he's a former 10th overall pick, which you got to remember, like, this guy is still a pretty valuable asset of this team, 100%. right? He's still, a, he's still a guy who can put up 30, 35 points. He's a valuable asset to your bottom six. He plays physical. He's one of the only Ducks forwards who actually plays hard and plays physical. I still think he has a place, and but I get it. Like I understand. Like I, th- I think I'm still kind of on on that boat with a lot of people saying like, why is uh, Nick Ritchie playing over Maxim Comtois? Or you know, I, I like to see the kids play. I, I can kind of be on both sides of that fence because I understand why they're doing it. But you know, the, the disappointment I think is always going to be there with Nick Ritchie until the the day if it ever comes that he's no longer a duck. Well. And it's like I've tried to tell people before. I was talking with a, a Ducks fan at work, and they talked about Nick Ritchie in that same light. And uh, they weren't bashing him or anything, but it's just more or less like, why is he still on the team? He's not productive. And he's not productive. And I'm like, look, the kids aren't productive at NHL level either. The coach knows, yep. and the players know everything about Nick Ritchie and his game, and they know what they're going to get out of him. Um, he doesn't have bad hands in front of the net. Uh, he, he's not a flashy guy. He's not going to dance you like Raquel. Or you know, like a Maxim Comtois capability to, to do, or even or even Jones. It's just he's not that guy. Um, so I don't have a problem with him playing bottom six minutes at all. No problem at yeah. all. I don't think he belongs. He's not in making the top a lot of money. Role. No, he's not. The contract's not terrible. And what are you going to trade him for? I mean, a pick. Like so. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you, you're going to throw Nick. Ritchie so you can in, go out and draft a guy who's worse than Nick Ritchie, right? So you or get a lottery you... ticket. That's what it is. Yeah. So I don't understand. Like you're likely to get in, what, probably a third-round pick for him at most. Like yeah. I can't see his value being that high. And, yeah, you know, the, the turnover rate for getting a decent NHL in the third round isn't great. No. You, know, it, it, you just – I, I want to say look at what the Ducks have done with their success in drafting, but I feel like that's uh, – uh, the Ducks are great at, at getting guys late in the second and third round. So I don't want to say that that pick has more value than it would for another team. But, again, like you said, it's a lottery pick. You're gambling at that point. Now, maybe you get a player who's better than Nick Ritchie. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's probably a better way to going and getting that third-round pick than trading a player like Nick Ritchie, who you know is capable of playing in your roster right now, instead of throwing Maxim Comtois into the fire and saying, hey, you're going to play every night now. And even if you're not ready, well, that's too bad. We don't have any other guys to fill your spot. Right. And we don't know how these guys are going to develop. So yeah. we just don't know. Uh, let's get to the second period because that was where the bulk of the excitement was. Um, and honestly, this was run and gun hockey, I felt like, for the most part. Uh, the chances going back both ways. Bjorkstrand, I mean, was he snake bit or what tonight for Columbus? I mean, he's got to yeah. be just staring at the rafters half the night with the amount of chances he had. Um, same thing with Milano. Milano came in and missed the net. And other times, Miller was able to stand up and, and uh, make the save. And then Michael Delzato, that's, by the way, Michael Delzato, Stanley Cup champion, 20-minute man. Got to put some respect on that name. Have to. (laughs) Stanley Cup champion, 20-minute guy for the Ducks. um, Gets called for the trip there. Kind of unfortunate. He was reaching in in the corner on the play. Uh, Whatever happens. The Ducks can't stay out of the box. It's kind of another theme to the beginning of the season for the last couple of games. Um, And just when we thought the Ducks were not going to be able to get anything going, 
Uh, especially after the play where Getzloff reverted to, uh, reverted to his old self, gets the puck in the slot down low, passes it back to Comtois on a rush play. Why? <laughs> I think that had so <laughs> many people. Like, why? Dude, you're in prime scoring chance off, you know, area. Why? You're in the house. Shoot the puck on net. Did that, did, did that strike you right away? Like, are you kidding me? Is that like a, he should have just dropped past yeah. that moment? You know, right? Like Getzlaff's never going to shoot the puck, and he's always looking for that pass. And it's something we can we can harp on every season, but it's never going to change, right? Like we all hope no. Ryan Getzlaff can get back to that one season. Uh, what was it, four or five years ago, where he shot the puck more often? He scored, I think, what twenty goals, twenty five goals, something like that that year. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the last time he was really shooting the puck a lot more. And I, I remember correctly that was uh, that year was due to a lot of injuries as well, but. He's not going to be that guy anymore. It's just not going to happen. You know he's going to make that pass. I wasn't surprised, but you're always disappointed, right? Like, you know it's coming, but then it happens. You're like, God damn it, man. You could have just shot the puck there. Like, it, it, And he, he has such a – like, the most disappointing thing is, is he's not like an Andrew Cogliano. Like, he has a great no, shot. he does. He has a great shot, underrated shot. Just doesn't use it. Doesn't use it when – in. like, you know he could probably pick that too. And and I think just in the back of his head – Whatever he's got back there, his hockey senses is telling him every every time there's an overriding factor where he's just got to pass it. I mean, maybe in that sense, tonight he was just like, I want to get the kid his first NHL goal, right? Maybe that was the case. I just want to get the kid his, his first one. Or I guess For first who? of the season. First NHL yeah, goal first of the season. season. Yeah, I know we had one yeah. last year. That's my day. More than one last year, but yeah. know, the first one there for him on the season. He's always trying to, right? He's always trying to get other guys going, which, I mean, it works out a lot of the times because he's such a great passer, but... There's there's sometimes where like you gotta shoot it, but you know he's not. You just know he's not gonna do it. So then he goes to the box too, by the way. So Getzloff's had himself a hell of a night thus far. If you if you go back to the first period, turnovers in his own zone, misses a chance to shoot the puck with a golden opportunity on the rush, then takes a delay game penalty, which I hate that penalty. Honestly, it was not intentional yeah. by Getzloff. But this one was actually over the glass. Um, anybody who uh, watched Derek Grant get a call over the glass and nobody knew where the hell the puck was. Go figure. Well, this one was deserved uh, to yeah. get. Uh, and then we get to the goal. Mr. Silverberg cashes in. Uh, the assists go to Ricard Raquel and the Zebra along the boards because the puck gets cleared up the ice, hits a lineman, and just, I don't know, luck. What pure luck that would have been yeah. because I don't remember who was on defense there for Columbus, but he would have easily got that puck turned around and slowed the play down. But the fact that it hit the linesman and went to Raquel – uh, I mean, they created an instant 2-1-1, and that defensive is in no man's land. It rips it on net. Corpus Solo can't control it, and then there's Silverberg to tap it home. I mean, that was just a great play. Nice to see them score on the rush like that. The broadcast mentioned it, you know, two rushing plays for goals. And I'm like, they didn't really create that one. That was a lot of puck no. there. <laughs> but these are two high-event teams, and you've kind of already mentioned it before, but we see we saw that a lot already in this game. A lot mm-hmm. of end-to-end plays, a lot of the, the high-quality scoring chances were off-rush plays. Columbus has kind of always been that team. A lot more, obviously, last year when they had guys who just kind of feast off the rush and Panarin and Duchesne. But uh, they're, they're still kind of like the, John Torello still has that kind of mentality and the team still plays like that. And Dallas Akins, from what we've seen in the first five games, has brought that to Anaheim. And uh, it's been fun to watch. <laughs> like you go look at Sean Tierney's uh, charts and you see the Ducks are clearly in the fun column this year because they're playing high event hockey. Uh, they're not always going to win the possession battle, and that's likely something we're going to see for most of the season. But you're going to get a lot of goals off the rush, and we see it in this one. Obviously, like you said, they didn't create it per se. And it honestly wasn't the best chance either. Like Ricard Raquel probably should have pulled that back and passed it. Got lucky that Corpusolo just couldn't handle it, and and it rebounded out to to Silverberg. I think he was trying to beat him with that shot. I, I doubt he was going for the rebound there. Works out in the end. It's great for Jakob Silverberg to get his second of the season. But yeah, kind of a fortunate play all around. The fact that it gets hits the linesman, they get a rush play, and, and then it bounces off Corpusolo's pad right to Silverberg. What I honestly thought he was going to do there, and I'm playing obviously uh, you know backseat athlete here because I'm not an athlete <laughs> and uh, I'm just watching a bunch of pros. But I honestly thought he was going to cut and pull it to the slot. I really thought he was going to just kind of yeah. cut and pull it in because there was no one trailing the play to come back and grab him. But it worked out anyway for him. Great play. Um, thank God Corpusalo couldn't handle that puck because that makes it one nothing. But then the Ducks would also get the goal again. And this time, you know, go figure. We, you, you led into it a little bit pre-show notes. But uh, Andre Kasha starts the fast break up the ice with Getzloff. 
and Raquel trailing, and I think he kind of looked the pass off. I mean, it looked like Kasha's got so much speed, and the idea yeah. there is like, why would he play the puck back to a defenseman? Why wouldn't he try to chip it to the crease and like gets off try to tap it in? But uh, great play there, sends it back to Cam, who you know, if Randy Carlisle's coaching this team, and yes. For those listening, I'm going to rip him every time I have a chance because he's no longer part of the organization. Uh, <laughs> but Randy Carlisle probably would have had a heart attack on the bench seeing Cam. Hey, were, were like you that. wrong about that? That uh, did was he not supposed to take over some kind of? They said some sort role? of like scouting thing or whatever. I was reading online. I don't know, man. Maybe I was wrong about that. Way to point out I was wrong about something in the middle of a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I don't understand why you would do that to me. <laughs> but he passes the the puck back to Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler. I mean, Corpusella probably wants that one back. No, but yeah. it was a great it was a great chance, all led by Andre Kasha there, and also the Ducks are up two nothing. It's an interesting decision. I like. I'm not gonna sit here and say that goal wasn't all created by Andre Kasha because it was. Like mm-hmm. I said already, the energy he has on that play, and then the fact that he's just never lazy, that he you know took the puck and and caught the the Columbus defenseman off guard with that speed. That is is something we're used to seeing from Andre Kasha. The pass was a little bit interesting. I I get why you make that pass to Cam Fowler because he's he's not really going to shoot it on his offhand on the right side. So he gives it to a lefty who can kind of get a better shot off and and maybe pick either the left side, which Cam Fowler does, or has a chance of picking the the right side as well. I get it. If I you know what I expected from that play is Andre Kasha to maybe drive the net and, and like you said, dish it across to Ryan Getzlaff. It's probably not the best play. It's a safe play. It works out for the Ducks in the end because Corpusello can't handle it. It's a good placement of a shot under the arm of, of Corpusello by Fowler. Uh, but yeah, man, it's a, a, a little bit of a suspect pass, right? Like yep. uh, I, I love the hustle from Andre Kasha. I love, you know, in in some cases making the simple play. Uh, but it would have been nice for him to just drive to the net there and see him either try and score on his own or make a pass across the gas lot. But I can't complain, man. It went in the back of the net, right? So see, there you go, trying to be like me, man. You want to go ahead and be backseat athlete, uh, you know? <laughs> trying to trying to tell pro how to do it. Just, you know, I want to see Andre Kasha put some goals, man. He's got three assists <laughs> uh, so far. I want to see him put some pucks in the back of the net. Well, let's talk about the Columbus goal. Uh, the main, the only real downer in tonight. Thank God to uh, some big saves by Ryan Miller tonight. I mean, he was doing his best John yep. Gibson impression. And, and, I, and I don't mean to take anything away from Ryan Miller because he, he's always great in net. But he made some some saves that I'm like, oh, my God, really? This guy's a backup goaltender? I mean, it, it felt like John Gibby was in net a lot of the time. But this was one he probably really wanted to have back. I mean, we just yep. said that Corpusalo probably should have had a save. This is definitely one where Dubois was literally trying to put a puck on net and did not expect to score little too much room on the short side there by Miller and that little whatever you call it little flub of a shot goes in the net now also does 2-1 ugly but yeah. I mean they happen yeah I, I think that's when you mistake the the reach and the strength of a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois the fact that he was able to kind of have at full stretch get that puck almost to the top corner of the net yeah. is maybe something you don't expect from that from that angle of the ice and and you know at full reach like that not many guys can do that I guess unless you're Blake Coleman. I don't know if you saw that goal. I'm just off topic here. That goal that Blake Coleman scored for New Jersey, we scored one hand, top shelf. They under underestimated a guy like Blake Coleman, and and I think Miller underestimated a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois here, being able to get a shot off like that. And I understand most 90% of the time you're expecting pass on that, right? Like guys aren't likely going to get a shot off there, or it's going to go and and get dumped behind the boards. Uh, but credit to Pierre-Luc Dubois for getting a shot off there. He catches Miller off guard, and you know Miller's going to want that one back because other than that, I think he was almost perfect on the night. We'll get to the you know my favorite save of the night, the poke check later on in the third oh, period. But way to, way to blow the spoiler there, man! You just got to. Uh, I got to blow one one again. I always do, but uh, <laughs> someone Miller capture that right game. away. Capture a little bit there by Eddie. That was great. <laughs> um, and then we it could have easily been three to one here. Andre Kasha made Corpusalo look amazing on the play. Uh, pretty passing play there, and they just couldn't convert. It was uh, Kasha to Getzloff. Getzloff tried to feed it over to Comtois. Didn't happen. Spills in the slot. Corpusalo, I mean, down and out. Glove raised up yeah. like this, just praying to God to hit his glove. And holy hell, did it ever hit his glove. And Andre Kasha would probably like to have that one back as well because – that should have been easy money for him, and it just one of those plays that just happens, you know. Sometimes yeah. you just shoot the Tough. puck in the it's open a, hand. It's a, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a play where you got to make a quick decision, kind of just get a shot off. You don't have you're not able to really get too much on it. He didn't have a lot of time, so at that point you're just kind of shoveling it on net and hoping that it goes past him. And Corpusalo does what he all he can do there, right? Just get his glove up and hope he hits it. And sometimes you got to be lucky to good and and good to be lucky. And and Corpusalo, you know, despite you know, we're ripping on the goalies a bit here. Ryan Miller had a great game. So did so did Corpusello. I think you know obviously he wants those two goals back, but other than that, like that was still a pretty decent save to be down and out and, and at least get the glove up and make that save. And he you know he made some pretty good saves in this game too. It, it was uh, an unlikely goaltending duel between Corpusello and Miller, but it was a, a pretty good effort from both of them. I kind of feel like Jason could have made that save. I've seen him do it in beer league. You just kind of just sit on your ass, stick out, and you just go like this, and you, yeah. you stop it in each other. I think Jay could have caught that. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Do you think he would have been in that position to begin with, or do you think? Oh yeah, he would have been swimming. He would have been swimming on the pass. The second <laughs> gets, he lets the pass go. Jason's down and out, and then sits up and just ooh, oh, okay, cool. He probably thought somebody <laughs> was throwing him a Coors Light to crush, and he would have caught the puck in his, in his glove there. But uh, that would bring it into what was a pretty eventful second period. Honestly, I mean that was the ex- the exciting bit of hockey we would have here. Ducks get out with a two one. Second period, I would call that a win. I thought they turned the play around a lot. They had a lot more chances that period, despite being shorthanded. And, of course, they got that break, which also gave them the chance to get the lead. Kind of turned the thing around for them, honestly, because it was pretty suspect hockey after the first period. Did uh, Pittsburgh score a power play goal the other day or no? They did. They did score a power play goal. I was going to say, I thought the penalty kill was still perfect, but I didn't get to go back and look at the goals in that that game. that was LeTang's little setup with Crosby. You know the thing they do where Crosby posts up in front of the crease and just lays his stick there, and LeTang just is like, hey, you know, I know you're going to do it, so I'm just going to give it to you and you'll do it. That's just what he does. Penalty kill has been great, though. The penalty kill has been great so far. Power play... Hasn't been good, but they hasn't haven't got a lot of opportunities. Good movement, but, though. Better movement than we've seen. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take an upgrade in one of them, right? Like, both weren't great last year. so And, and I think the penalty kill was only decent, really, because of John Gibson. So the fact the Ducks just look – they have a better setup on the penalty kill this year. I'll take that, and hopefully – the offense hasn't been there this year. After the yet. Ducks at all in the first five games. So it's kind of understandable that the power plays also struggled, but – uh, I'll take uh, good goaltending, good defense, and good penalty kill, at least for the first five games. It's worked out. They're 4-1-0. I know. I love when we have to say something negative that we always have to reiterate that we know it's only been five games because it's it's so easy to be like, this is wrong and this happened, but it's like, we get it. Well, you get like Sharks fans, are, oh, they started 0-4-0, and everybody's like, ah, oh, we're going to miss the playoffs now. You get the Hurricanes to start 4-0-0, and now they're Stanley Cup favorites, apparently, like, we're four or five games into the season. Like, chill out. Well, I mean, the Sharks really just turned it around because they signed forty-nine million year old Patrick Marleau. <laughs> I, I mean, and I he had what he, two he goals in his them. first game. Unbelievable. Yeah, he saves them from going oh five and oh. Unbelievable. It's the third period. What'd you think about this? Cam Fowler gets a little breakaway down in front of Corpusalo. Seth Jones did the one-handed played with his hands thing. When I saw the instant replay, I was kind of like, that might be a good call, like not to call. At first, I thought it was probably hooking. But wasn't really upset about that after seeing the replay. Yeah, it's borderline. He still gets a shot off too, and I think if he doesn't like that, that's usually you get. And, and the ref has to call a penalty shot in that play, right? Like it's that makes it a little bit more tough. You want it to be kind of you, you want it to be clear cut if you're going to call a penalty shot, and I feel like it wasn't. Like it was fifty fifty. The fact we're even debating it, I think, shows that that probably shouldn't have been called there. But if it went the other way, like we can make the same argument, right? That it, it was. 50-50, so if it got called, if it didn't get called, it, it was close. Um, I'm okay with it. Like, I, Of course, I would have loved to see Cam get uh, a penalty shot, try for three goals on the season, be leading the Ducks in goals oh, yeah. to, to start the year. But, yeah, I, I think it's one that you're kind of okay with them missing because if it went the other way, I think you know we'd be saying the same thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I would agree. I would agree with that. You're always going to want that called, and then if it was the other way, you're like, "There's no way that was a call." I hear you're coming on that point, but it did create chances. Troy Terry coming very, very close to getting his first of the year too. Uh, he had a couple of chances right in front of uh, of Corpusalo, and he wasn't able to convert. They were both kind of blocked. Um, Atkinson takes a penalty. Ducks go to the power play. Uh, got kind of crazy during the power play, man. They all of a sudden they got caught with four guys literally below the dots. Puck squirts out. And now you have a four-on-one, short-handed. And one guy peels off. So it's a three-on-one. They have a four-on-one. One guy just, ah, whatever, you guys go. Ah, you guys got it. I'll, I'll get back in case he gets – he probably was getting yelled at 
on the bench. He probably was totally getting yelled at. Yeah, towards telling him to get off and change. So this is your play of the night, man. We gotta we gotta go back. I know we'll start getting gifts going again for sure. Yeah, apologies for not having those. Monday, Monday we'll have Monday we'll have gifts again because Ed's the gift master. Um, but yes, this was a great play. Take us through it, man. I know it's your play of the night. Yeah, uh, Ryan Miller. Uh, th- this doesn't work that often. Let's be honest here. And I think uh, if if Jason was on here, he'd be able to describe it a little bit better. But uh, this is a ballsy play by Miller because it's three on one and Jones ends up getting the, I guess, kind of the lone break here. Uh, and he makes a great move. He makes the best decision there. Ryan Miller's cheating a little bit. He comes out to kind of challenge Jones and Jones makes the play to go to the backhand. He, he basically beats Miller cleanly because I think he read that Miller was coming out for the poke check and Miller just gets a, just a little piece of it, just dives out and gets a, a little bit of a stick on it. Great play by Ryan Miller. Great kind of recovery, too, because he didn't get beat, right? You see this a lot on, on the poke check plays like that, where uh, sometimes goalies will get it clean, and sometimes they get beat, and you got to stretch out a little bit. And, and Miller really had to kind of stretch out and time that perfectly to, to not trip Seth Jones. And Seth Jones has a big reach, too, to get a stick on that before Jones is able to get it to the backhand. Uh, save of the game, honestly. Like If, if, if Jones scores, that's 2-2. And uh, the, the Ducks are in a whole different ball game here. So I think... You know, Ryan Miller was great on the night, but that's a, that's a game-saving type of save. That's a save we're used to seeing from John Gibson. And I think Ryan Miller's done this in the past, too. I feel like he's done this before. I remember seeing him doing a, a flying poke check last year, I think. I don't remember exactly, but I, I would go to say that you're probably correct on that. Um, you have a better, younger memory than I do. I'm old. Um, you're a young, spry man. So I'm sure that you have all the all the saves locked up in your head. If Jason was here, he would remember. He doesn't remember much, but he does remember big saves like that. From yeah, Ducks all goaltending stuff. All goaltending. He he will never remember Tamu Solani, you know, hitting his <laughs> uh, hitting his glove down with a stick like that in Winnipeg. But he will remember John Sebastian Jaguar making a skate save in the playoffs, just the way he is. Um, yeah. I agree, man. Play of the night, outstanding game by Ryan Miller. You know the uh, AM30 broadcast. Dude, they do such a good job of covering it and such a great job with the play-by-play and the analysis. I love the AM radio broadcast for the Ducks. Um, but they do you play it like, over the TV? Do you mute the TV? That would honestly drive me nuts because it's like it's like watching a stream and live TV at yeah. the same time. It's like a seven-second delay. Can't do it. I would, but I hard. can't do it. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like they cover that so well. I heard that on the radio. It was great. Um, but yeah, Ryan Miller, man, and they even mentioned it on there. They think it's crazy that he looks like a guy who's played the last five, six games, and it's just his first start of the year. Only his he's first start of the year, too. Yeah, and like, it's he plays incredible. He, he's he's quite the athlete and an incredible person yeah. as well. Um, so that was awesome to see him keep the Ducks in it there. And let's finish this off here. Corpusala with a good save on Fowler to end the power play. Um, Nick uh, Nick Ritchie is in front of the net. Mm, isn't able to make the play convert thanks to Troy Terry driving the misses front of the, the net. net too. Yeah, she misses the net. Tough one there for Nick. Um, and then Seth Jones hits the post. That guy was the best player with Oliver Bjorkstrand on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he just couldn't convert either. Hell of a game by Seth Jones. Reminding me of uh, the Detroit game. I think uh, Detroit hit three posts before Philip Ronick scored. Uh, the the only goal I guess Detroit got in that Did game. Did you say a Jeremy, little bit similar. Jeremy Ronick? Jeremy Ronick? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. The, uh, Dude, the it drove Czech me nuts all night. Ronick on the defense. For, uh, <laughs> it literally drove me Detroit. nuts. Right. I mentioned that yeah. on the post game show. I was like, "Are you serious?" All I can hear is Ronick, Ronick, <laughs> Ronick with the puck. Ronick takes a he shot. He needs a he needs a first line that that's similar. But yeah, I know I the broadcast, especially the I I was watching the replay and it was all the. Uh, uh, what's it called? The Red Wings broadcast, and theirs is even closer. It sounded like Jeremy Roenick. I'm listening to it, but I know who Flip, Philip Roenick is, so I knew it was him. But uh, it sounded like Roenick. The first time I heard it, I had to go and double check. Like, uh, does Jeremy Roenick have a son that's playing with the Red Wings? I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, Philip Roenick, and no H, but I pronounce the H to make sure it's different. So the Ducks wrap up the game two to one. I mean, whole game overall. How'd you feel about it? Uh, part of the course for the season, right? These are the these are the type of the games the Ducks are winning. I, I, listen, it's better than last year, where they're clearly getting outplayed and, and, and grinding out these games. At least right now, it feels like uh, they deserve to win them. Defense is actually playing well. Goaltending is winning these games. I, I think you could argue John Gibson and Ryan Miller probably have won these games, but it's not 
at the detriment of the Ducks' defense being awful. I think the Ducks' defense has been pretty solid, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's just the goal scoring, right? The goal scoring has struggled. The Ducks have scored, what, no more than three goals in a game so far this year. They no. won a few 2-1 and won 3-1, and then they lost 2-1. to one. So the, the goal scoring hasn't been there. Uh, but I like I like the support the goaltenders are going to get because that, that was a big difference last year with the Ducks. They couldn't score, but they also couldn't get solid defense in front of their goaltenders. And that was a, a big reason they finished where they finished last year. And, you know, and, and the fact that John Gibson was so fatigued, if they can get this type of support for most of the season, they will actually be able to sustainably win games 2-1, 3-2 throughout the year how long they can do that for, how many games they can actually win by doing that, that's going to be tough. You're going to have to continue to somehow have the best goaltending and some of the best defense in the league for 82 games. It's not easy, but looks good so far. looks pretty good. Yeah, so Brett had asked me a couple of minutes ago in chat, or asked us rather in chat, um, he said, uh, basically, when are they going to break through and, and, and go off? Because... You know, only scoring three goals in one game. We're five games in. Anyone new to the show, please understand we get it. It's early. There's time. But when do you think it's finally going to happen? Is there enough talent there where they're going to have a breakthrough game and we're going to see a few games in a row, maybe, you know, four out of seven or eight games that are able to get four or five goals, maybe on a great night, six goals? you think there's enough there? Maybe, but I think it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the season. If the Ducks are, are going to make the playoffs to be one of the best teams in the Pacific Division, a lot of ifs have to get uh, turned into guarantees, and that means Max Jones has to become close to a 20-goal scorer. Same for Comtois, same for Terry. Andre Cash has to get 25-30. God, Ricard that's Mikel a big ask of Comtois. Right? I'm saying 20 goals, that's a lot. Man. That's, that's a, a But, lot. I mean, uh, if you're going to turn this around and, and you're going to be trying to score four or five goals a night or, or you know, be a team like Tampa Bay and the, and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins to score a ton of goals, you got to have a few 20 goal scores, or you know, a guy can, a couple guys who can score 30, and Raquel and and, uh, and Cash, and I guess Silverberg, if people still think he can score 30 as well. There is the potential for all that to happen, but it all has to happen, right? I, I feel like it can get better because right now it's, I don't want to say it's bad, but the 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 amount of high quality chances they're getting isn't ideal. No, and everything right now, everything is high event built off the rush, which isn't bad. But it's hard to sustain that. But it that is over bad when you game. don't have a lot of rushes. That that's the problem I yes. have. If you if you can't yeah, yeah. if you can't create the rush chance throughout the game, there's a problem for sure. I, I feel like you need a mix too. Like you can be a high event team, but I feel like you need a little bit of possession mixed in there. I don't know if the Ducks can do it. I, I think it can get better, honestly. I, I, I think they will have a couple games where they break out. I just don't know if it's going to be a whole season where all of a sudden the, these Ducks are, are averaging, you know, three, three, three and a half goals per game. I just don't think it's going to get to that. A lot of things would have to go right. But there is the potential for the offense to get better, right? I'm not going to sit here and say it can't. Uh, there is the potential it will. But a lot of a lot of things have to go right for a lot of the Ducks players, especially guys that struggled last year. So, Brett challenged me to bet you right now in chat. I don't know if you saw that. I was going to bet you. So what? On what? Uh, so, basically, um, is Comtois going to get 20 goals or not? I think it's what he's, he was suggesting because that, that was in my head to, to ask you. So, let's say your Rangers... You want to make another bet after how your, your season has started for the New Jersey Devils? Okay, I'm check up on it. that? I'm getting to it. So, I'm getting check to up it. On so, that. Here's, here's it is. Yeah, the Devils haven't won a game in regulation. Okay, they haven't gotten a point in regulation. They haven't won a game. Oh, two and two, yeah. and the Rangers are two and zero oh to start the year. Uh, Whatever. So we're and, talking uh, about the Ducks yeah. being this team that has the most points over <laughs> anyone else in the NHL, but we're going to go ahead and shit all over the Devils because the Devils haven't won a game. It happens. It happens. Um, all right. And, wait, 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 wait. I got to address okay, something. Okay. They're giving me a hard time about yep. uh, about my keyboard not being loud. It's because I put the keyboard behind the mic this time, guys. I, I turned my mic so it can't catch the keyboard now. But yes. So let's say the Devils lose to the Rangers in the in the standings. Do you want to bet on Comtois not getting twenty goals, and that would like wash the bet? Or are we holding strong on that bet? And I'm buying your flight. I feel like you're you're worried or you're sweating a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's a that's like a side bet. No way. I'm not I'm not washing the bet if Comtois scores twenty because there's a good chance he could play in San Diego for most of the year. What, what side of the bet are you think he is, or you think he is? Right, I don't think he's going to hit twenty. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna hit twenty there. So there's no. I think there's okay, any let's bet. let's bet let's bet ten. Does he get ten? Oh man, it's so iffy because he could he could spend you know more than half the season with San Diego. 
if things don't go right or if the Ducks, even if the, you know, depending where the Ducks are, if they add the deadline too, that, that hurts him. And there's not much selling. Are they go really going to add at the deadline with this team? They're not going to. I, you know, I I would say no, but we're 40 games away from being at that point, 40, 50 games away from being at that point. So uh, I would love to say he hits 10. Uh, sad thing is I can't say it with confidence. I, I just I, – and it's not because I don't think he's a good player. It's just I don't know if he's going to play, you know, 30 games this year or if he's going to play 60 games this year, right? Like I don't know what he's going to get to. And if he's going to score 10 goals, he needs to play more than 30 games. He's not going to put up Andre Cash numbers like he did, Andre Cash did last year where he scored 11 goals, I think, in 33 games. So Dave in chat says that if he plays with Terry, he thinks he's going to hit it. He's going to hit 20. He's got to – yeah, he's he's got to play – uh, he's got to play forty, at least half the season, 40, 50, 60 games, I think, to to hit uh, to hit twenty, uh, or even ten, fifteen. I, I think do he you needs. Wanna, to play. Do you want to bet on it, or you want to hold off on any bets until he's a solidified player in the lineup? Uh, what is this a side bet? Yeah, this we'll, do, we'll, we'll do a new bet. We'll do we'll do a second yeah, bet. I'm not we'll I'm not bet. watching I'm not watching this other bet because I know the Rangers. Okay, are gonna okay, have okay. I got a good one. Let, let's year. let's bet your forever mighty Ducks hat that's sitting in. <laughs> so I gotta go buy one in the Yeah, <laughs> if I lose, <laughs> I'll buy the last one available right now. It's, it's insurance. <laughs> it's insurance. That's great. Well, let's get to a different bet later. Let's let's hold off on any betting on on whether or not Comtois is gonna gonna score twenty goals. That's a that's a big ask for that kid, man. That's a big one. Yeah, it, it's a big ask because he has to play consistently. So. All right, before we get to our, like our, our post-game notes and questions, I have one thing that I've been doing with Jason the past few games. Um, I've been asking him, who's his best duck and worst duck of the night? So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Who's your best duck of the night, and then who's your worst duck of the night, and why? Oh, man. Um, best duck of the night. I, I would have to say, I, I feel like it's a do. I really, I really want to say Andre Kasha, but I love... Silverberg with Raquel I love what they've been doing all year and I think both of them I, it's hard for me to split the two of them I, maybe I say Silverberg because he scored but that play was made by Ricard Raquel yep. those two are tied for me for best duck of the night <sighs> worst worst duck of the night that's a tough one because I don't think anybody played bad like I don't think anybody was really bad I, I like to like, I'm going to exclude the fourth line guys because you don't see enough of them and you don't expect too much of them Oh man, oh man! I gotta, I gotta go look at the lineup now. I gotta see. I gotta, man. I guess, like I, I guess Troy Terry, but I still liked like that. He had a flash in the third where I liked what he was doing, but I, I didn't, I didn't notice him most of the game, and and I was kind of intrigued by him playing with Shore and Richie. I just don't think that that's where he'll, he's going to excel with those two. So I was a little bit disappointed. I don't think he was bad. Like I'm not going to come out and say he was bad. I just don't think you know. If I had to pick a guy who you were so Canadian, you were so Canadian. You're the nicest guy ever. You can't say was one bad. guy like, over another. You're like, well, his game was so good, but then his game also had this. You're the you're the you're maybe the, the, you're the, with you're the, the turnovers, Canadian. but wait, yeah, no, I, I'm going to say Terry, but I don't think he had a bad game. <laughs> so who had the best game? No, Raquel and uh, Raquel and Silverberg. Okay, it's and the worst game? You going with Getzy? I'm going with Terry. Terry with the worst game. Oh, it's tough. So for me, it's the the best of the night, and I would normally, and I told Jason he's cheating to give it to like a line or whatever. I, he was trying to like play it up too. He can never make a decision. But uh, I would say the best of the night goes to Ryan Miller and Andre Kasha. Always a play driver, never out of position, always creating offense, always shooting the puck from every opportunity possible. And then Ryan Miller, backup goaltender, hasn't played a game. Comes yeah. in and steals one away from the from the Columbus Blue Jackets, along with the help of the Zebras, for sure on that uh, that shorthanded goal. But if not for Ryan Miller, man, we're, we're talking about a whole different night tonight. He got tested much more with much more difficult chances than Corpusalo ever did. The Ducks made the most of their opportunities. So Ryan Miller and Andre Kasha are the, are the guys that I really stood out to me, and the guys who didn't really stand out to me very much. Um, I think I would have to look at. Uh, oh man, I would have to say, and it's tough to pick on Troy Terry because he's a kid and it's only his really his second full season. 
Um, or was it his first full season? He didn't play a full season last year, right? Am I am I crazy? Uh, you no, know, I think he's 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 not considered a rookie anymore because he played over thirty games. Uh, yeah, like and and he honestly played the least amount of minutes on the night of all forwards at five on five. Maybe there's a reason wow. for that. Don't know. Maybe that's why I didn't notice him. Yeah, and <laughs> okay. that might be that might be a reason. Into that. But uh, I would say Troy Terry is probably the guy that I would look at and be like, ah, come on, man. You, you, you gotta, just want to see more. It's yeah, not that what you more. saw was really bad. Exactly. It's just exactly. you, you want to see more. And like I said, I saw like there was a flash there in the third where he had those couple chances where he made a really good play behind the net to get up front and make some space, but he shot it right into Corpusell. And you want to see that one going to the top corner uh, and and you know him get a goal on that play. And and he he made some good plays. It just I think up until that point I didn't notice him too much, uh, and maybe that's why he didn't get a ton of ice time. He just didn't look that great in this game and I, I want to see more from a guy who should be breaking out at this point right like he should he should be a little bit ahead of Maxim Comtois he should be ahead of Max Jones you know he should he should be a guy that should be pushing for top six minutes not falling out of a top six spot and finding himself with Devin Shore and Nick Ritchie so uh Brett and Shane both ask uh or not 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 Brett but Shane asked what we thought of uh is it Teixeira on Columbus, is that how you say his name? Texier. Texier. It's like, it's I'm like, thinking of like a baseball player, match. so I said Teixeira. You know more about uh, prospects than two. I do. So I, yeah. that uh, makes sense. Um, I thought he was okay. <laughs> I almost drafted him in fantasy because uh, he's playing with uh, Dubois and Atkinson. Uh, I hadn't seen much of this kid before this, and there's a lot of hype building up to the season. But I feel like he's one of those guys where – it's getting hyped because he's playing top line, right? Like this is this was never a guy who was like a top prospect comes into a team that got decimated, and they're like, you know what? Let's throw the kid up on the top line and, and hope that he does well. I think he's got a lot of skill. Yeah, looked pretty good. Scored his first goal, I think, last game for Columbus. Uh, but I don't, I don't know, and you know, I don't want to rip on prospects too much. But like before the season, Victor Olafson was a guy that in, in Buffalo playing with Eichel and, and Reinhardt now. Was getting a lot of hype because he was playing on the top line. He's actually gone and scored four goals to start the year, but not a guy you would expect to score four goals and and and, and kind of play out of his mind. There's probably some other guys that you, you could have played there. Jeff Skinner, you probably could have played on the top line, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think a lot of these kids get a, a ton of hype and and playing on the top line. But I, I thought he was okay. Let's talk about Brendan Gooley. Is he what we call injury prone now? I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't oh, think he man. is. Is he? No, he's day to day with like a what lower body injury. I don't think he's injured. I'm just trying prone. to I'm just trying to poke the bear over there, man. I'm trying to poke Ducks Twitter. No, he's not injury prone. I'm sure he's back in the next couple of games. It was a late scratch, wasn't it? Like I don't think yeah. people expected to to him to be out tonight. So he's probably back. If not Monday, then the game after that. I, I, I don't th- I don't think he's injury prone. If we see him a couple of years down the road and he still hasn't played 60, 70 games for the Ducks, uh then and and it's not due to bad play, it's due to the fact that he's injured, then sure. Then then maybe we can discuss it. Damn Canadian and chat comes right to your service there. Day to day, back to back, he's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Brian. He's fine. And overall thoughts on Comtois' debut. Mostly unnoticeable in my opinion. Yeah, B. I think he's a he got a B, B maybe C plus. Uh, he didn't do anything fantastic, but he didn't do anything bad. Nope. Uh, he play, he played to his strength. The physicality was there. Mm-hmm. And he's a big kid, and he's got some speed, and he used that. Uh, but no real high quality chances for Comtois. And, he, and you would hope he'd be getting that playing with Getzlaff and Cash, and you didn't really see it. So, in that sense, I'm a bit disappointed. But he played a, a solid game and, and played to his strength. So. Hopefully we see more. It's game one of the season for him. Don't know if he checks in on Monday against Boston because Max Jones was scratched. We'll see. I, I think Sam Steele's probably on the on the way back with Isaac Lindstrom getting scratched tonight. I, I think he's getting a little bit closer. I would love to see Sam Steele back in the lineup. I want to see what he can do, oh, especially playing with uh, – and nothing against Lindstrom. I liked the Swede line, but I was really, really pumped to see what Sam Steele could do with Ricard Raquel and Jakob Silverberg. So I hope they put that line back together. No, I – Dude, 100%. I think Brett brought that up last postgame show. Would love to see Steele back in the lineup considering them because Lundestrom, he kind of just didn't – I don't know if you saw the games. I know you've been working nights, but I I don't know what he was thinking in half the plays. He just doesn't look good centering those two guys right now. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's just uh, looked great in preseason. Looked like he was real comfortable with those guys, and it just kind of hasn't trans- just translated over. Uh, I think he can. I think somebody put in our chat earlier. He could use some more seasoning in the AHL. Yeah. And I think I, I completely agree with that. I, I think he once Steele's back, he's an easy candidate to send back down. 
Uh, and then I think they're still deciding right now between Comtois and Jones. I think the, the fact that Jones was scratched tonight for Comtois, I think they're deciding on who they're going to send back down to those two. Uh, and one of them is going to stick around for a little bit more because Jones hasn't been great to start the year either. Not that he's been bad, but he hasn't been fantastic. So I think maybe they th- throw them both in for Monday and then make a decision after that because the road trip's over and then decide who they want to get uh, sent down after that. So maybe we see, you know, Nick Delore or Nick Ritchie or somebody gets scratched on Monday against Boston, and we see Jones come to both in the lineup. So, Brett, and I think Sam and chat want me to, to bet you on Silverberg hitting 30 this year. Think so? I already bet I already bet Brett on that, but I don't I don't remember what we bet. Yeah, Brett, put it in chat. <laughs> no, he doesn't remember either. We, we oh. just... We just <laughs> We, we, at one point, like last year or at the end of the season, we said um, he said he he bet me if so Silverberg would score thirty. So I said Silverberg won't score thirty, and um, I don't remember what we bet, but the bet's there. We just have to find out what we're gonna, what the the terms are gonna be for it. You're I still gonna, don't think he's gonna, gonna score thirty. Take that one back up. He's not gonna score thirty this year. I, th- I think he's gonna don't get Don't bet against me on goal scoring bets. I beat Pat last year. I bet Drysdale would score fifty at the beginning of the year, and he scored Jesus fifty. Christ. Uh, thanks, McDavid. Um, Trevor Zegras <laughs> makes a debut for BU. You know more about our prospects than I do because you're yeah. I just uh, I just put out a prospect update on the Hockey Raider. So I updated the. Uh, not everybody's played yet. Uh, the three boys for the University of Minnesota have only played an exhibition game. Two kids for Harvard haven't played yet and thrown a bikini. But uh, yeah, Zegras made his debut for BU, centering the top line. He's getting a. Big opportunity playing with two seniors, which could only mean good things, hopefully, for him. He's playing with uh, Patrick Curry and Patrick Harper. So it's uh, double Patrick he's playing with and, uh, in BU. And, uh, kind of like our okay. postgame show last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly <laughs> like the postgame show. Um, he's, he's looking – he looked good. But when I uh, I went away for the day, came back, and I saw the scoreline was 7-3, and I was hoping that, you know, he would have, you know, a couple of assists, or, you know, three assists, a goal, you know, multi-point night. He had one assist, and the assist he had is he dug a puck out from a board battle, gave it to another player who dished it off to the point, and that guy scored. So he got a secondary assist. I don't want to say he was bad because I didn't watch the full game. I couldn't find a stream for the game, and I was out. So I don't want to comment on, on his play during the rest of the game. And just game one. Game one of an NCAA season, which yeah. is going to be tough for him. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to see him get going. And uh, hopefully he can have a strong season after this. Is big things that a lot of people are expecting from him. I think his next games... I'd have to check my article. I don't know when his next games are. Oh, I think look at it's, that. Uh, Eddie the writer. <laughs> I, think it's, um, I think it's October 18th and 19th. I'll double check that before we move on. But uh, let's see. Because he's he's got a big year coming up. Yeah, October 18th and 19th, uh, BU takes on Northern Michigan. So hopefully uh, Zagros can get some some more goals, some more points. I want to see him do well because I want to see him with the Ducks at the end of the year. And, and I think no matter how he does, if BU gets eliminated with the Ducks, still have some games left that he's going to play. But, man, I just want to see this guy do well. I'm, he's the guy I'm most excited about at any Ducks prospect right now. I think that's the case with a lot of people. It's the highest pick they've had in a long time. And, uh, he, he looks like more of a sure bet than Nick Ritchie with the, the skill that he has. Yeah, I, I hope so. It, it got brought up in chat. Apparition said, uh, didn't Zager say he was only going to play one season of college hockey? Is that still stand? Uh, he, he, I remember when we had him in the podcast in the summer. If you haven't checked that interview out, if you're new to the show, uh, go back in the archives on uh, YouTube or on Spreaker or Spotify or whatever and check that interview out we did with him. Uh, but we asked him on the show, and uh, he said that's the plan, and he did. I think Eric Stevens also had an article where he interviewed him, and he also uh, kind of rectified that statement or, or reiterated that statement and said that, uh, you know, that's kind of the plan right now. That's the goal is to play one year at BU and see how he feels. Uh, but I, I think it all depends on how the season goes for him. I think he's one and done. I think he signs an ELC at the end of the year like Quinn Hughes did, plays a couple games with the Ducks at the end of the year, and then either starts the season with the, the Ducks next year or plays with the Gulls. I think that's kind of the goal for, for Trevor Zegers. I think he wants to make the NHL as soon as possible. Yep. I think he has the skill to do it. And, and I'm, I'm all for him playing one year in the NCAA and kind of developing that way because I love the way that players develop in that league. And I think it's a you know great jumping point for him coming from the NTDP. Well, let's get to our questions. Anyone in chat got questions for us before we hit social media? Oh, uh, did I? Pop them in. Yeah, pop them in the chat because I, <laughs> I haven't been paying attention. 
So they haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet. So let, let, we'll let them give a, get a chance to go ahead and put questions in chat. Let's answer some from social media first, then while we I'll wait. I'll pull the Instagram ones right now. Uh, Crystal, with the, the big question, Ducks start 4-1. and one. Will we get a cup soon? Oh, man, that's <laughs> tough. That's so tough. Early? That's way too yeah. early. Uh, I, I think you have to define soon, right? Soon as in this year or next year? No. Uh, four or five, six years down the road with more development, depending, you know, it, it maybe if Trevor, like if you look at if Comtois, Jones, Terry, they all pan out the way we, we hope. And if Trevor Zegers comes in, it can be a 70, 80 point guy uh, and plays with Ricardo Raquel. He can make Ricardo Raquel a, thir- a consistent 30 goal scorer. Uh, John Gibson, you know, in his late 20s, early 30s in his prime, they have the pieces to be like that and, and to be a team that can at least get back to the playoffs and, and compete. But man, uh, I I don't know, man. That's that's there's, a little There's no that's no tough. cup this year. There's no cup this year. Yeah. As much as I want there to be one, I mean, hell, we have a podcast dedicated to our favorite team. Um, yeah. Eddie Eddie <laughs> loves them from three thousand miles away. We want them to have a cup. It's just there's just no way. It's it's, it's, it's a tough anymore. question to answer. You even for Tampa Bay, like you look at the best team in the league right now. So how will we get a cup soon? Or you maybe, but you don't know, right? That you would have said yes last year, and Tampa Bay got swept in the first round. So. It's a tough question to answer. Uh, hold on, I want to get through these questions in the chat before yep. they before they kind of get away from me here. Let's uh, go about Bo Grew. Let's go about him. What do you think about, on, uh, one, about him? There's one before that. There's nope. a question from uh, Samuel Whitwick. He said, "How soon till we see Raquel Comfort Jones and Richie all in one game? Uh, maybe as early as Monday." As I was just talking about, I think possibly uh, it's Deloria who gets the the scratch. Lundstrom stays out again, and uh, I think we might see Comfort Jones in the same game. Is that your uh, your your Canadian Thanksgiving wish? What that uh, Jones that they, and they all play, play the same game? game? Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather see the, those four in the game and Deloria with the scratch. And not yeah. that I want to see Lindstrom get scratched, but I think or I think for him get scratched for the last game, and then I think they're already going to send him down to San Diego anyway. So there's no point in playing him in in the Monday game against Boston and risking injury. So I think Lindstrom's a healthy scratch again on Monday. And I think somebody I would I would either say probably Deloria comes out so they can get a look at Jones and Comtois in the same game and make a decision on which one of those two guys they're going to send down. All right, we got about five or seven minutes left in the pod, so let's get through these, some of these questions here. Apparition in chat says, uh, "Any idea what Bo Gruel is expected to be? What's his projection?" I lo- I love that kid. Uh, ever since the Duck drafted him, he has just kind of developed nicely progressed year after year the the issue with him when he first came in was kind of the same as Isaac Linderstrom is, is what is his offensive potential going to be it's gotten better and better centering the top line last year centering the top line this year started out well I think he has two goals and three assists in four games with Halifax to start the year so a, a nice start to him playing with uh, I think a first round pick last year I don't remember by what team and Raphael Lavoie and he's also playing with uh, Maxime Trepanier uh, in in Halifax, and he's a great player. He's a, a kind of a Swiss Army knife type guy. Can do everything. He's a excelled at center, which I didn't think he was going to do, which is very nice to see. I thought he was going to be a winger for his NHL career, but he played center in the in the rookie tournament. He's played center for most of his time in Halifax. Now he projects at a high level as a third line center, a guy who can play in the penalty kill and be kind of a pest and very responsible defensively. So I like what he's been able to become. I you know when I first saw it and, and you I think it was Maxim Comtois and Bo Grew who got both picked in the second round that year I said Maxim Comtois is easily going to be the best player here but Bo Grew is, is is making his way he's going to be an NHLer I, I 100% agree that he's going to be an NHLer no matter what and, and I think he has the higher floor in the sense that he's I think he's a guaranteed fourth line third line guy I don't know a lot about him you would know more you're the, you're the prospect guy for sure I hope he's I mean, the Ducks, you always want them to hit their highest ceiling. And if you say his ceiling is a uh, middle six forward, I'm okay with that. You need that. Yeah. You always need those kinds of guys yeah. in your lineup. Um, he's like a 30, 40-point guy at, at very high ceiling level. But he's going to be a very reliable guy on your penalty kill. And defensively, you can throw it in good situations. I think he's going to be similar to what Ryan Kessler brought to the Ducks in his time here, where you know maybe he can hit 30, 40 points, but when he was healthy, that is, and, and be just a reliable guy you can throw throw it against the other team, opposing team's top players and and just shut them down. I think that is a high ceiling for Gru, but he has a good chance of hitting it. So Joey G on Twitter with a question, he says, "Gritty performance." 
win for the boys tonight. However, what do you guys think the issue is with the lack of power play goals? We're five games in for sure, but I mean, it's not that they haven't had chances on the power play. I feel like it's just not fast enough. They don't have that, I hate to say it, they don't have the trigger man. They don't have the guy that they know is going to score, and you probably need two options for that. And I feel like they put Raquel down there, not a bad option. But, uh, I mean, why not put a guy like Ryan Getzloff even in the OV spot to either dish or make that one-timer? Do you think that there is a solution to this? There's not a lot of opportunities, I think, that they've gotten to really in-game test the power play. So I think with time, it's it's going to come. I think they have you know a five-man unit that's capable of being a top 15 power play in this league. You go and look at the two top power plays right now. Uh, second best power play in the league is is the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> and it's got uh, Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Eichel, uh, Victor Olofsson, who has like three power play goals. And I think Jeff Skinner plays on that unit as well with, uh, I believe, Colin Miller because Brandon Montour is not in. It's not a great – that's not the league's best power play unit, but they've got a, a great guy who can shoot Surely. pass and Eichel. See, yeah. like the, the thing I think you need – on a power play, you need the trigger man, and then you need a guy, a setup guy, who yep. can also shoot the puck. And I think Ryan Getzlaff, and similar to what Jack Eichel does in, in Buffalo, everybody knows Jack Eichel can shoot, and he shoots the puck a lot. But he's a great passer, and he makes people think. And he's been feeding Victor Olofsson on the power play nonstop because people think he's going to shoot the puck. And he gets it over to Olafson, who can also shoot the puck on the trigger side uh, on the right circle. And he's just been wiring pucks in the back of the net. And then obviously you have a guy who can facil- facilitate from the back end in Rasmus Dallin, and you've got a couple of good options there. But the Ducks have that, right? Like if you have Ryan Getzlaff playing a similar role what Jack Eichel does, throw Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm back at the point to do what Rasmus Dallin does back there. And then you just need a guy who, who's in the Victor Olofsson spot, uh, if I'm going to compare it to the Sabres, right? A guy who can shoot the puck either on the left or right side and be that other option, and whether that's Silverberg or Raquel or, you know, Comitoir Jones if they want a lefty up there. Or, or Kasha, you know, the Ducks just need to, to figure out who that's going to be. And I think they, they have the, the right guys to do it. They just need more opportunities to kind of get things going and figure it out. I think they will eventually. They just have not a lot of chances to do it yet in-game. Let's get to the next question. What do you got on social media, man? we got to wrap this pretty quick here. Uh, yeah, let me uh, – Brett said any news on Sprong? Is the NHL career over? Does he ever clean up his game? Uh, from all I know, he's, he's playing in San Diego right now. Yep. Uh, I don't know – when he's going to get called up, if we're gonna he's going to get him. called up. We'll see yeah, him. I think we're going to see him at some point, but uh, he needs to play well in the goals. And apparently he's playing left wing for the goals tonight. So they're just trying to get anything going for this guy right now. You'll see him in the first 20 games. I feel like he'll be in Anaheim in the next 20 games. Um, Jimmy John says, are the Ducks still rebuilding? Yeah, I guess. Retool. They're trying to retool. Yeah. I don't think they're ever. Yeah, I don't think they're ever rebuilding, but they're retooling. The young guys are coming in. It's, a, it's more of a transition. If I, I like that word a lot better. Uh, because I, I think they're getting close to being competitive well, I mean, they, they again. They have to, right? With John Gibson and that, you can't rebuild. I mean, he's not young. No. He's going to be 27. Same with Raquel and Lindholm. Like, mm-hmm. they're 25, 26, 27. So it's it's a retool. Um, Garrett already asked this question in our chat with uh, how long do we see Ra- Raquel Jones come to on Richie in the lineup. And Keith and Instagram said, what happens to Jones if Comtois exceeds expectations? Well, then Jones becomes a bottom six, uh, bottom six option. That's just what happens. It has to wait till the holes open up in the lineup. I mean, there's there's not a ton of room. We've talked about this forever. There's only so many so many spaces on this team to slot in. Yeah, I, I, it's not a bad thing if Jones has to play bottom six because I think he's made for that role. Um, one of them will be a top six eventually. One of them will be a bottom six because Ricard Raquel is always going to be that top line left wing. Or even middle six. Gonna be. Even middle. Yeah, middle. Jones yeah. plays third yeah, line. Yeah, that's not a bad option. If if you're down the road and you have. Um, uh, what is it? Raquel Comtois Jones is your first, second, third line winger. That's not a bad thing. No. And obviously, we have guys like Braden Tracy still coming up in the system, and Bo Grew if he doesn't play center. So there, there's a lot of guys who are going to compete for those spots. Same with Nick Ritchie, uh, guys who are already on the roster as well. So it's not guaranteed. But if that's what you're running with in two or three years, if if they've kind of fulfilled their potential, then it's it's definitely not a bad thing. I think that's a, a solid option to have. Uh, last question I have on Instagram was Daniel asked, where does John Gibson rank as far as all-time Ducks goalies? It's getting up there close to being number one. Jason said he's number one. It's him It's him, It's him. him or Jiggy. And maybe you, know, maybe you pick Jiggy because you won a Stanley Cup, and I can I completely understand that. But if we're talking about pure talent, uh, it's John Gibson. 
Yeah, no, he has nothing to against be. Jiggy. I love Jiggy. Jiggy was my favorite goalie growing up. But if you're talking about pure talent, and and you know we're not talking about accolades or anything right now, then it's John Gibson. If we if we're throwing in wins and and what what he's done for the franchise, and then obviously it's Jiggy. But that's a little bit biased because Jiggy's career is done, and we can look back at all of that. I would agree with you, man. It, it's it's John Gibson. He's the best goaltender. He's one of the best players the Ducks have ever had. Just simply one of the best. Yeah. Easily. No, he's, Easy he's unbelievable. Uh, I think that's it. I don't think we... Do we have any questions on uh, Twitter? I don't think uh, so. We, we covered the one we had on Twitter. Um, now's a good chance for us to promote our sponsor for the show, uh, CoolHockey.com. Ed, can you explain what Cool Hockey does for us and why they should pay attention to Twitter 45 minutes or so before the game? Yeah. I don't know. If you, if you, if you haven't heard of it yet, I don't know where you've been. But maybe you're new. So if you're new to the show, Welcome. Uh, but also check out our, our Twitter um, because before 45 minutes before puck drop, we hold the prediction contest where you predict the Ducks' first goal. Who's or yeah, so who's going to score the Ducks' first goal? What the final score is going to be? And then we have a, a random third question that changes pretty much uh, on a game by game basis. Yep. And you make your predictions before game. Your points get tallied up for one point for every correct answer. At the end of the month, whoever has the most points wins a free customized jersey pick whatever size whatever team whatever name number you want on the back cool hockey provides that for us great they've been supporting us pretty much since the get-go yep. um if if you don't win that then you can also go to, to coolhockey.com and put in the code fm20 you get 20 percent off a of jersey so you can you can compete for a free jersey if you don't win go to coolhockey.com put in the code fm20 get 20 percent off so they've they've been great to us they make great jerseys I think almost any every jersey I bought recently has been from Cool Hockey, and I and I haven't complained. Not at all. No, they've been great, and everyone who's wanted jerseys always said they make great jerseys as well. They're not they're not some knockoff shop. They're legit. They're the place to go. I would definitely always purchase a jersey from there. And if you do, use our promo code FM20 and get twenty percent off your jersey purchase if you don't win at the end of the month. Um, and then a couple of other things, real quick. Patreon supporters. We love you, and we appreciate you, and there's a rant show coming this Sunday. All three of us will be on board, I believe. I know Jason and I are confirmed. Ed, are you confirmed for this Sunday morning? Yeah, no, I'm in. I'm in. So we're in. We're going to be doing a rant show uh, for our Patreon members there. You can find our Patreon, by the way, at patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. Um, you can you can uh, go there and check out the different tiers we have. You can get a hat like this if you support the top tier. Uh, as I've mentioned over the past few shows, it does take some time to create the stuff we're making here as far as lanyards and koozies, but they've been ordered. They will be here, uh, I think, mid to late November, so we'll get those out to you guys for those of you uh, in those tiers. And we also do uh, bonus shows. You know, we got, we just, I just said the ranch show, but we also do the Pox and Brew show where we drink, not just me drinking on a Friday. You'll see Ed drink most sometimes. of the time. Sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe <laughs> never. Sometimes he drinks nothing. Uh, but Jason and I definitely participate. We have more fun with those shows, too. We don't just talk hockey. We let you guys contribute to the show as well. So send us whatever you want us to talk about if you're in those tiers, and we'll bring it up on the show. Um, anything else, Adam? Am I forgetting anything? Are we good to go? Uh, we haven't gotten to it yet, but we also do have uh, the Bobby's Bargain Bin game show. Uh, it's happening this month. It's happening this yes. month. Yes, it's happening this month. So uh, I believe that's for uh, – I think that's – five dollar tier and up in patreon uh if you're supporting that then you every month one of those random patrons will get selected and you get a chance to win uh signed ducks merch from one of bobby's historic bargain bin selections and then you also get entered in to win a grand prize at the end of the season which is a lot better than let's say a lucas visa signed puck so uh, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and uh, I, I believe those ones the game shows we're going to stream live but the only way you get to participate in the game show is to be a Patreon supporter. Yep, that's exactly how it's going to go. Uh, it makes it fun. Everyone gets to, uh, to get a chance at that if you're a Patreon supporter. So check us out again, Puck Guys Forever Mighty, patreon.com. Um, check us out. And if you have an extra change in your pocket and you want to donate to the show more than just listening, we love you. Appreciate that. And if you can't, that's totally fine too. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday. It's, it's, it's Canadian Thanksgiving, right? I was correct about that? Yep. Yep, Canadian Thanksgiving is on Monday. That showtime. Well, I think actually, I think to it's determined. tomorrow, but we have Thanksgiving Monday on Monday. You get so. the holiday on Monday against Boston. Eddie, you're on the show. I'm on the show. Game time's puck drop is 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, 1 p.m. Eastern for your yeah, can, my Canadian friends. Not sure when the show's going to be. It'll be very tricky to see when that's going to be, but it's going to happen most likely later afternoon, early evening Pacific yeah. time. We'll get you guys on the show then. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. See you.